we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Let's take our Bible and go with me, if you would, please, to uh, the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. And we'll go to chapter number one uh, in the book of Joshua. I would encourage you, if you're not in a particular place, I know many of you are reading through the Bible this year, but if you're not in a particular place as a church, as we're going uh, into uh, the phase of, of determining what it is that the Lord would have us to do uh, with the property that he has given to us, he's led us to purchase, uh, that we would uh, really read through the book of Joshua. Uh, the book of Joshua is uh, has the theme, Possessing Your Possessions. The Lord had given Israel the land, and after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, he led them into the land as they were willing to obey. He would have led them in 40 years earlier, but they were unwilling. Now they have entered into the land. Moses has died, and, and so the book of Joshua is about possessing your possessions living in the fullness of God's blessing, uh, realizing all that God has for you. Now, individually, that speaks of the spiritual blessings that are ours, our inheritance in Christ, uh, the, the, the life, the victorious life that he has called us to. It doesn't mean, by the way, that there'll be an absence of struggle. Struggle is always present. But we get a picture of that. But also as a church family, as we endeavor to follow the Lord in whatever direction he leads us, then having the faith to trust him and believe him and enter into all that he has for us. So I would encourage you. I think it'd be a great thing to read uh, the book of Joshua and ask God to speak to you. But we come uh, this evening to Joshua chapter number one. We'll begin reading in verse number one, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. What a wonderful promise that God gives there. Go in, and everywhere you walk, I've given that to you. Now, if you were given that promise from uh, the Register of Deeds office here in Hickory, I imagine you would be walking all over town, right? Well, God gave them this promise. <clears throat> and uh, so with that promise... Uh, of course, the Lord gives the borders from the wilderness, verse 4, and this Lebanon, even of the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Therefore shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What wonderful words of assurance here. 
As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And all of us can testify this evening that the Lord Jesus has never failed us and he has promised never to forsake us. What a wonderful promise we have. Now he gives us some encouragement. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written in therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. I want you to notice a phrase we find in the opening of verse number 8, this book of the law. That's the title of our message this evening, this book of the law. Aren't you glad that God has left us his word? He gave it to us, and we have it in our hands. This is the word of God. This is a reliable book. It's reliable because it is inspired by God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible says that the holy men of God, they, they wrote, they were moved as the Holy Ghost moved upon them. They recorded the words of God. We have a record of God's word in our possession tonight. If you have a Bible, uh, you have the word of God. Imagine that, creator God, the God who loves you, the God who made you, the God who sent his son to die for you, that God has given you his word. It is the most important uh, piece of, of information. It's the most important document uh, that man possesses today. It is inspired, and therefore it is authoritative. I know that I have to obey this because God gave it to me. I know that I can embrace the promises of God because God made them. You see, this book of the law flows from the person of God and the character of God. And therefore, it is authoritative. It is inspired. It is sufficient. Uh, the apostle Paul said to Timothy that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So the Bible, as we've, as we've noted before, is sufficient for salvation. How do we know God? We know him through his word. How do we know who we are? We know that through his word. Who are we? We're sinners. Who is he? He's our creator. He is our redeemer. Uh, in the Bible, we learn that as sinners, we are unable to approach into a holy God. We are unable to meet his righteous demands. And in that conundrum, what did God do? He sent his son who lived a perfect righteous life, who died on the cross, made the payment for your sin and mine, not for his. He had no sin. He arose from the dead, and he gives eternal life to all who receive him. 
This is what God did for us in our inability. He, in his ability, redeemed us. We know this because the Bible tells us. So it's, it's sufficient for salvation. It's sufficient for the transformation of the man or of the woman. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, that word means complete, truly furnished unto all good works. So the Bible is sufficient to change me, to conform me to the image of Christ. Are there things that you don't like about yourself? Are there things that you know are displeasing to God? Are there thoughts that occupy your mind that are displeasing to God? Do you have habits that are displeasing to God, that vex you? Do you have struggles and temptations that you're dealing with? Are you tempted then to respond to those in a way that does not please the Lord? Well, then how can you and I change? The way that we can be changed is through the power of the Word of God. I want you to know this book is important. It's important. It's sufficient. For proclamation, chapter 4 of first, uh, 2 Timothy and verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. We are to preach the word. We are to proclaim it. So this book of the law that we hold in our hands, the word of God, it is authoritative. It is inspired. It is transformational. Uh, it is sufficient for us. Therefore, we must emphasize the Bible. Let me ask you a question. What relationship do you have with the Bible? How would you characterize your relationship with the Word of God? Uh, how would you characterize your relationship with your spouse or with your parents or with your friends? When's the last time you talked to them? When's the last time they talked to you? Are you on good terms? Well, let me, let me ask you to, to put that in the context of your relationship with the Bible. You cannot substitute this relationship. This is the method that God has chosen to reveal himself to mankind, and it is the best method. Now, some people have a problem with reading. It's hard for them. They struggle with it. Uh, some people love to read. I, I'm not really one of those who love to read, uh, but nevertheless, I have to do it, right? That's my responsibility. I'm to read. Uh, we enter into fellowship and communion with God, and we hear his voice when we read his word. So if we want to know what God is thinking, if we want to think thoughts that God is thinking, and if we want to please God, there is no substitute for the Bible. Now, Joshua was preparing with the men of Israel and the people of Israel to go into the land of Canaan and possess their possessions. Moses had died. He was the spokesman for the people. Uh, Moses was God's spokesman. Moses spoke on behalf of the people to God. Moses saw the Lord. He communicated to him on the mountain. Moses came down with the law of God. His face was shining with the glory of God. They had to veil his face. Remember, the mountain shook. 
I mean, there was no doubt in the mind of the people that when Moses came down off the mountain that he had the words of God. They understood that. And I want to say to you, as we study the word of God, there should be no doubt in our mind that we have the words of God. It is always the work of the devil to minimize the word of God and to distort the word of God and to create sort of a distrust in the heart of humanity toward the word of God. But my friends, we have the Bible, the word of God in our hands tonight. And it is authoritative. Our opinions are not authoritative. Our feelings are not authoritative. The opinions of man are not authoritative. They are ever-changing, are they not? Do you trust the news media? I hope you don't. Do you trust Facebook and social media? I hope you don't. What can you trust in this confusing age? There's only one thing you can trust, the message of God's Word. But we have a propensity to want to feast at other tables and bypass the Bible. Oh, I've heard that before. Well, God doesn't just give it to us so we can hear it. He gives it to us so we can do it. So let's think about our relationship with the Bible tonight. How do we develop a relationship with the Bible? Well, I'm going to give you a, a couple of thoughts. Number one, read the book of the law. You have to read it. That's why it's important to get an education. That's why it's important to learn how to diagram sentences. That's why vocabulary is important. That's why spelling is important. That's why punctuation is important. Read the book of the law. Do you know that uh, in the life of, during the life of John Knox in, in the 1500s, the Scottish society made an emphasis on the Bible? And because they made an emphasis on the Bible, the children in Scotland ascended from being the lowest level of educated kids in Europe to the highest level of educated children. And how did they do it? Well, not at the modern-day universities. They did it learning the Word of God, reading the Word of God. We must enter into a relationship with God's Word by reading it. Now, look at verse 8. This book of the law shall not do what? Would you read the next four or five words with me? shall not depart out of thy mouth. The word of the law will not depart out of my mouth. What am I reading to you right now? I'm reading to you the Bible. What did you just read? You read the book of the law. It was in your mouth. You read it, you spoke it, and you need to learn to study it. What is God saying? Now, it begins with reading. And oftentimes when people are reading the Bible, they're having trouble, you know, understanding it. Well, listen, we all have trouble understanding things. All of us do. I just, I just finished a class on uh, biblical creationism, and in that class I was reading a lot of information about science. Do you think I understood all of that? No. I didn't. But I kept reading. I didn't quit, you see. And I began to understand enough of it to think that I'm, I think I'm getting a point here. I think I'm getting a point here. Don't, don't, don't focus on what you don't understand. Focus on what you do understand. 
Bible knowledge is cumulative knowledge. You're not going to get it the first time. You're not going to, I mean, you're not going to read the Bible through, wow, man, I've got it now. I figured this thing out. No. But what you'll be amazed by, when you read the Bible through, and I think every Christian should read the Bible through. Read it through. You say, when I get to these parts and I have difficulty understanding them, or, or I get to the begets and the these, and, the, and I have trouble with that, okay? Just keep reading it. Keep reading it. You know, when you get to the, there's, there's certain portions of Scripture, you know, that, that have 40 chapter or 40 verses of begets. Well, you know, I'm not going to read that with the same intensity, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. But focus on the parts that are clear and that you understand. And you'll be amazed at this. The more you saturate and fill your life with the Bible, the more you'll begin to understand it. Now, here's what the critics of the Bible do. They say, well, you can't understand this. You can't understand this authorized King James Version of the Bible. Well, you're not going to know that unless you read it, right? So read it. Read the Bible. So I have trouble with these and thou's. Well, what does thee mean? <laughs> it means you. <laughs> What's thou mean? It means you, right? I mean, that's I, I, it's a little different. It's a little unusual. We don't really talk that way. I get it. But we can understand it. Certainly we can understand that. Don't focus on the things that you don't understand. Focus on the things that you do. Read the Word of God. And the more you read it, the more you will come to understand it. It's amazing how that when you read something in the Old Testament and then later on in the New Testament, you come across a passage that, that, that is along the same doctrinal theme or, the long, or uh, along the same uh, prophetical line, you, you'll, begin, you'll begin to connect the dots. You'll begin to think, oh, I read that somewhere else. Oftentimes when I'm preparing for a message, I'll, I'll look at the text, I'll read the text, and then I'll pray and ask God to help me understand it, and then certain things will begin to stand out and certain words, and then I'll recall in other passages where those words are used again. And, and that's, that's part of the way that I develop messages. So you have to get familiar with the Scripture. What did God say? He said, go in the land and walk all up and down in it. We've got to get into the land of the Bible, the book of the law. Hey, you can do it when you're young. Some of you young people, you, you, you think you're exempt from this. You are not. The Bible is written for us in a sixth grade reading level. We can comprehend the words of Scripture. Let's begin to read the Bible. Bring your Bible to church. Bring the Word of God with you to church. Read it. Study it. Read the book of the law. 1 Timothy 4.13, till I come, give attendance to reading. Paul said to Timothy, read the Bible. You're going to lead the church, read the Bible. How would you like it if your pastor never read the Bible? I just got up and gave you some, you know, little uh, motivational talk for the week. You know, that's happening in a lot of places, right? Little motivational talk. We don't need motivational talks. Motivational talks are man-centered. The Word of God is Christ-centered. What we need is the thing that will save us, transform us, and equip us and make us what we ought to be. Give attendance to reading. Romans 15, verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written of our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. These things were written for our learning. 
God wants you to learn something. When you come to church on Sunday and I'm up here preaching or anyone else is up here preaching or your Sunday school teacher is teaching, we're doing so in the hope and expectation that you are learning. Oh, well, this is how I'm to deal with this temptation. This is what this struggle in my life represents. This is how I go to God with this need. This is what God expects of me and my behavior. Here are my responsibilities as a husband and a father. You see, those come to us through the word of God. We are to learn them. And when you went to school, how did you learn? You, you took your notebook and your pencil and you read and you wrote notes and you, you kept up with things and, and you studied for them and then you, you were tested on them. Let me tell you where the test happens. It happens at home tonight when there's no milk and you've got your Cheerios in the bowl and there's no milk. You ever done that? Isn't that frustrating? Here's what's worse than that. Somebody left the milk out on the counter, and now it's warm. I don't like Cheerios with warm milk, do you? No. Now, that's a silly example, but there's a lot of application to that when things don't go our way. Acts chapter 17, verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So he's in Berea in the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Let me ask you a question. How do you come to church? Do you come to church with readiness of mind? You know, I mean, are you, are you, you know, what's occupying your mind? NCAA tournament. There's not a bigger fan of sports in this building than me. But is that occupying our mind? Are we ready? Have we prayed? Have you asked God to speak to you? You parents want your kids to change? Are you praying for them? You want your spouse to change? Are you praying? God, use the pastor, use the preaching of the word of God, use the Sunday school teacher. Speak to their heart with all readiness of mind. You see, they came ready to learn. They came ready to hear. They came ready to do. What about you? And searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. They were in their Bible. Oh, yeah. Now, how did they search to see if they were so? Well, they listened to what Paul said, and he's taking those Old Testament truths, and he's relating them to Christ. And, man, I'm telling you, they, they're, they're, I don't know how they did it, but they're writing things down because they want to go back when they get home, and they want to look at that, and then they want to see it, and they want the Spirit of God to confirm that in their own hearts. You know why people don't read the Bible and have a devotional life? Because they're bored to death. They got, no, they got no frame of reference. What do you think we're doing on Sundays? What, what is it that we're doing here? We just show up and have a meeting, sing a few songs, pastor preaches a message, and maybe it hits his note with me, and maybe it doesn't. No. We're here to communicate the living word of God. 
And if we want our lives to be transformed, if we want to know God, if we want to live in the fullness and the blessing of God in heaven, then we must have a relationship with the book. Read the book of the law. Think about that. Think about that man, that Ethiopian eunuch. He, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit of God said, go draw yourself near to Philip. He said, Philip, go draw yourself near to that man and his chariot. And what was the guy doing? He had the Bible open. He's reading it. Hey, as you read the Word of God, do you know what will happen? As you read the Scripture, the Spirit of God will speak to you. If you don't read it, how can he speak? Well, I read the New York Times. I read the Wall Street Journal. I read the top conspiracy theories on Facebook. Forget that stuff. Read God's Word. He was reading, and God spoke to him. And Philip says, understand thou what thou readest. And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? Well, let me ask you a question. Who's going to guide him? the man who has already read it and knows it. Who are those people? Hello. There they are. Verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And you know what happened to that man? He got saved. He read the Bible. The Spirit of God spoke to him. Philip communicated the truth to him. He responded in obedience to it, and he got saved. A few years ago, I visited an Ethiopian family here in Hickory. It was a, it was a situation that I, I didn't realize I was going in on. That family had a loved one who had been murdered, and they were having a memorial service in their home when I showed up. And an Ethiopian pastor from Charlotte was there. And we begin to talk about the Word of God. And do you know where he traces his heritage to? Right here. Acts chapter 8. I was on a plane in India, and an Indian man said to me, are you a Christian missionary? Well, I was a little apprehensive about answering that question. But I stood out in India, and so I thought, yeah, some of, you, some of you got it. So I thought, well, you know, I just, you know, just tell the man, yeah, that's what I'm here. And I was shocked by his response. This is what he said. He said, my family had been Christians longer than your family. I said, tell me about it. I knew where he was going. You see, history tells us that Thomas, the disciple who doubted, went to the south of India and preached the gospel and established a church, and that's where he traces his roots to. How did all of that happen? The preaching of the Word of God. So if I want to have a relationship with my Bible, number one, i got to do what? Would you tell me what it is? Read the book of the law. Did you write it down? Number two, rehearse the book of the law. Well, let's look in, in chapter 1 and verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. That means you're reading it, you're speaking it, you're studying it, you're talking about it. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That means I'm going to ponder over what I've heard and read. 
I'm going to think about it. I mean, if I really want to get a hold of something, what do I have to do? I have to think about it. Now, the other night, our kids were playing for the state basketball tournament, and we had a big lead with just a few minutes remaining in the game, and we lost the game. And I'm driving home very disappointed, and and do you know what I'm doing? I'm thinking about the game. I'm thinking about how we lost the game and what we should have done differently and how we could have easily won the game. I'm meditating on the game. It wasn't a pleasant meditation. I got in a car with Andrew. He and I were driving back, and I said, look, I'm not going to talk about this. And I didn't say a word for 45 minutes. I was meditating on it. Now, that's not a pleasant thing to meditate on. But let me ask you, what do you meditate on? You meditate on things that are meaningful to you. Has somebody ever said something to you you didn't like, and, and, but you weren't really sure, and you thought, wonder what they meant by that. And, and you thought about it. And then before long, you've, you have created an entire, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica of information based on that one ambiguous statement that you have somehow interpreted to mean something that maybe it doesn't mean. Right? You get notions in your head. I mean, notions. And, and why is it that we dwell on the negatives when we have the positive truth of the Word of God? Because we're sinners and we're, we have a sin nature. So we have to have discipline here, and we have to think on the good things. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, what do we know is true? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is, well, we know the Bible's true, Right? Facebook? I don't think so. The Bible? Yes. Whatsoever things are honest. Are we getting the honest story on television or in the newspapers? No. Are we getting the honest story in the Word of God? Yes. Whatsoever things are just, that means right. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are good report. If there be any virtue, anything good, if there be any praise, think on these things. In other words, we have, to, we have to train our mind to think about the Scripture and the Word of God. So what have I been thinking about since Sunday night? Well, not as much today, but the earlier days of this week, I've been thinking about Brian Odom's message as you go preach and the simplicity of it and the power of it and how I can complicate it and make it some impossibly hard task when it's so simple. And if I would just do it, I would experience the blessing of, of, of being a faithful witness and seeing people come to Christ. And my, my attitude would change. And I wouldn't look at the problems. I'd look at the possibilities. And I mean, it would just revolutionize my life. Have you thought about that? Do you ever think about that? So no, I, I just think about everything that's wrong. You know, what I don't like, you know. <laughs> you know why you do that? Because you're full of pride. You overestimate your opinion. You think you're the authority. And Satan's built a stronghold in your life, and you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. 
Rehearse the book of the law. Number three, regard the book of the law. Regard it. All right, are we back in verse 8? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. How often? Day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So here's the word. Regard the book of the law. Observe to do it. That means obey it. That means keep it. James wrote in James 1.22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We have a lot of hearers in our generation. We have a lot of debaters in our generation. We have a lot of disputers. But do we have a lot of doers? Doers. Doers. John 14, 15, If ye love me, keep my commandments. 1 John 2, 3, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. The word of God is given to us so that we might hear it and receive it and obey it. I preached this series in Deuteronomy that it may go well with thee. God gave the word to the Jews or to the nation of Israel rather, and they were to hear the law and receive the law that they could go into the land. And as they kept the law, he said, it will go well with thee. How well is it going for you? Regard the book of the law. You know, some people are intrigued by the Bible. I've grown up in, in, in around people like that, you know. They're all caught up in the unsolved mysteries of the Bible. You know? And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of interwoven things and dynamics in the scripture that are are worth our note and our study. But what about the plain things? Keeping, as Alistair Begg says, keep the plain things, the main things, and the main things, the plain things. Are you infatuated with the mysterious? You know, like you are the one guy on earth who has discovered what nobody else has discovered. Baloney. And if you can impress 10 people in Tabernacle Baptist Church, what does that matter? What you need to think about, sir, what you need to think about, ma'am, is are you pleasing God? Are you fulfilling your responsibility at home? Are your children walking in the truth? That is what you need to focus on. Not a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. So number one, would you say it with me? What's number one? Read the book of the law. Somebody's writing it down. Number two, meditate. Turn it over in your mind. Ponder on it. Number three, obey, keep. Don't just, oh, yeah, man, I'll tell you one thing. That's the Bible. That's the word of God. I believe that. Amen. And then have no intention to do it. 
regard it. All right? Now, we all struggle there. All of us, the man here that's talking to you struggles with that. But when we fail, we confess, we're forgiven, and we go on. Number four, this is conclusion. Realize the blessings of the Lord. Pastor David McCoy, who's now in heaven, used to preach a sermon, it pays to serve God. And I want you to know it does pay to serve God. He's in heaven now. And uh, he's, he's realizing the fulfillment of that. What, what did, what did uh, God say to Joshua here? Well, let's look at it again in verse number 8. For then thou shalt make thy way, what? And then thou shalt have good. Now, prosperity and success are things that God says we will experience if we read the word, if, if we rehearse the word, and if we regard the word. But... There are different ways that the Lord measures success and the way the world measures success. Prosperity, it means I'm going to have a lot of money, right? I mean, that's what we think about. And success, it means, man, I'm, I'm going to have a great career and everything's going to go great. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying you're going to please me and you're going to accomplish my will for your life. Now, the devil, he dangles all these ideas of the world in front of us to shape our thinking, to conform us to the thinking of this world. And we get in our mind that if we want prosperity and success, then it's measured in certain ways, money, achievement, power, position, possessions. And if we don't have that, we, we can get in our mind, at least the world would say to us, well, he's not very successful. But God can look on a man who has all those things and say, that man has failed. He is not a success. Now, there's a man who is obedient to the word of God, who is humble, who walks before God. He struggles, yes, but he's seeking to serve God. He's faithful to the house of God. He fulfills his responsibility as a husband and a father or as a, if it's a woman, as a wife and a mother seeks to be a witness and seeks to serve. And do you know that when God looks on that person, no matter their income or their accolades, God says that person is a success and that person is prosperous <coughs> because there is treasure in heaven for all those who read the word, who rehearse the word, and who regard the word. And as the Lord said, not only is there treasure in heaven, but in this life, there are blessings. So if I want to please the Lord, and really that's the question tonight, do you want to please the Lord? Well, then I can't do it if I don't have a relationship with the book. And if I want to have a relationship with the book, then I got to read the book. It may be five minutes of your day. It may be 10 minutes of your day. It may be 30 minutes of your day, but you need to find time to read the book. 
to study it, to repeat it, read it, and then rehearse it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Think about what changes you need to make in your life. Think about what you need to do that you're not doing. Confess to God in prayer. You see, a conversation happens this way. If I'm having a conversation with Dan, Dan's going to say, well, you know, Pastor, there's something I need to tell you. All right? He's going to communicate to me what's on his heart. I'm going to listen. All right? I'm going to process what he said, and I'm going to respond to what he said to me. That's a conversation. Well, how do I have a conversation with God? God speaks to me. I hear it. I, res I receive it. I, I think about it. And then I respond in turn to what he has said. That's how you have a relationship with God. That's prayer. That's reading the word of God. And as I do that, God says, I'm going to please him, and I'll experience the blessings. So we need to get in the Bible, don't we? Now, how's your relationship with your Bible? Don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. might be good for us, though, but I won't. Do you have your Bible with you tonight? Does it sit in a car all week? Are you reading it? Does it sit on a coffee table? How is God going to speak to you? I mean, you're getting lie after lie after lie from this world. How are you going to counteract that if you're not in the truth? Young people, how are you ever going to understand the book of, of the law if you don't ever read it? You got to read it. You got to read it. All right? And then you got to rehearse it. You got to think about it. And you got to obey it, keep it, regard it, and God will bless you. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.